0: Important question in our Twitter mentions this week. Really important question. What is the plural of filibuster? We're doing more than one episode a week now. So this, this is important.
1: Attorneys general. Yeah. uh,
2: Our friend, uh, Tim Ostland Foss uh, asked this question uh, in reference last week to the fact that we're doing, we're back to our regular season schedule. Um, and his question was just, is it not Phyllis Buster for multiples? Um, and I said that if if this comes up on the show, and now it has, we're going to be sidetracked for a week. So sorry Welcome to, our to our this listeners. week's show, everyone. The whole show is only about whether it's filibusters or Phyllis Buster or some other option.
0: I think the only way to settle this, Jason, is with a binding Twitter poll.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it has to be. Uh... I know. I, I, my, my guess would be, I think we need a concurrent resolution.
0: But we're so I think, I think it has to be concurrent then.
1: between our vote and the Twitter poll.
0: Oh, that's fair. We get a say is what you're saying. Yes. And not just by voting ourselves in the Twitter poll.
1: Right. No, no, no. We get, we get a, we get, e- it's our podcast. We get equal weight to what the Twitter poll is, but the Twitter poll gets equal weight to what we say.
0: So uh, do we want to say what we say or save it for next week?
1: I mean, we might as well we might as well put our cases
2: out there since people are going to have to vote. This is your chance to influence. Fingers,
0: the thumbs on the scale.
1: Yeah, exactly. Phyllis, Bus- Phyllis Buster.
2: I
0: agree. I, I, I can't argue against Phyllis Buster. I, I, I cannot. I, I don't know that I want it to be Phyllis Buster, but I cannot for the life of me argue against it.
2: Uh, I'm trying to think of an other um rather than filibusters or filibuster, Um and I don't really have a good other because we only just started talking about this and I have not <laughs> thought about it at all. Um so I I guess I, I want to keep the door open. If someone's got an an other candidate that uh is, is a quality one, maybe reply. Filibustinos.
1: Philibusti- I mean, a, a good one is
2: the important part. Filibusteredes. Uh, we're we're getting further and further, I think, from <laughs> from the core of of what multiple episodes of filibuster should be. These are progressively less, I feel like, related. Um, but also, these might be as good of a uh, um, Filaroni pizzas. Has. Right. See. See. This is uh, a. <laughs> Because then you could also ask, well, well, shouldn't it be Filaroni's Pizza? Um, no, that's and, and
0: Filaroni is my uncle.
2: We're we're gonna we're gonna end up in an infinite loop very fast, I think, um, <laughs> uh, because because of the way we can just move the S to the other word
1: over and over again, or the other syllable, uh, and trap ourselves. What rather. about this? What about this? Filarone's Pizza. You have the S at the beginning. I feel, like, uh, I feel like we've
0: lost all connection. And yes, I it feels
2: feel like, like we're it wrong. Completely, completely out of our own uh, solar system and in uh, interstellar space.
0: Hey, hey, welcome in. Uh, this is the first of two Phyllis Buster podcast episodes this weekend. There's too many possible plurals in there. I completely got myself messed up. Uh, I am Adam Taylor. They are Jason Anderson and Benjamin Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we talk about DC United. And this week, we are talking about a 3-0 win, DC United over Charlotte FC to open the 2022 slate. Later in the week, we will have Laurel Faylor from Queen City Press on to help us preview the uh, the upcoming game, DC United, at FC Cincinnati this Saturday, 6 p.m. Watch it on NBC Sports, Washington Plus, tele DC United, com, ESPN Plus, and we have new things to add to this ever lengthening list. One hundred four point seven Wonk FM and the iHeart Radio app are also available, which is pretty cool because I'm pro radio broadcasts, um, and I, I think I assume this podcast in general is pro radio broadcast. Uh, before we talk about anything else, though, Ben, what are you drinking?
1: Gin and tonic. That's all. That's a tweet. Top shelf lime juice. No, uh lime juice from bottle. Uh, um and real rail, gin rail fr- lime juice. Yeah. Yes, rail lime <laughs> juice and gin from uh Bombay Sapphire.
0: Good old fashioned gin. And,
1: and and tonic from Food Lion. Sure. Tonic. Okay.
2: Yeah,
0: most tonic is tonic.
1: Yeah, wait, exactly. wait, you still have Food Lion?
2: Yes. Oh wow. Yeah, Food Lion
0: Or Virginia, at, or Kentucky. as
1: or as we call it, food dog, because the lion looks like a dog. You do yeah, not agree not... with their heraldry? I, mean, the, I Their lion looks like a dog, so it's food dog. Yeah, it does look a bit like a dog.
2: <laughs> Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I have some uh, Sagamore Spirit rye whiskey uh, on the rocks. Nice. So keeping it real simple, uh, because I didn't really realize what time it was. And I got in the shower at like eight and then got out and was like, Hmm, I don't really have a lot of time to do very much other than pour something into a glass and get on the, get on the podcast. So I did that. Great story uh, I've, I also, I've also really. got
0: whiskey. I poured in a glass immediately before we sat down to record this. I've got uh four roses, small batch. Nice. That's a good which one. Which is a good one. Uh, I've got it neat. Uh, it's a, it's a nice way to go. I think. On to the soccer. The performance wasn't comprehensive, but the result thankfully was. Three nothing good guys on buzzard point on the back of a first half brace from Michael Estrada and a second half capper from Ola Kamara that he technically gets credit for. It's right that he gets credit for it, but he technically scored that goal. Uh, It's a win. And because it's a win, I want to start off with the positive. I have a feeling there's going to be some constructive criticism of of the team's performance. I want to start on the positive, and that is... Your MLS Team of the Week goalkeeper, Bill Hamid, who pitched a shutout, had some good saves in there. Wasn't called on too much, but, you know, did the job that had to be done.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, he was good. He was fine. I mean, sometimes uh, when you look at the Team of the Week, sometimes it's just like, at a position, there's just like a bunch of like, Yeah, that was fine. Maybe there's not someone who was, like, really excellent at a position uh, this week. And Bill Hamid's always great, and he did a fine job. And so, yeah, like you said, he wasn't called on that much. So I wouldn't say he, like, stood on his head or anything, to use a terrible uh, Britishism. Um, But he was solid. He got himself well into the beginning of the season. And, yeah, he did Bill Hamid things. Yeah. I mean, the, the only real,
2: you know, dangerous chance they got past him is that you already Reina shot off the post when it's already three, nothing. Um, and even then, if if Hameed's a little slower off his line, then maybe Reina takes a slightly better shot and tucks that one away. Um, yeah, he, he had those two shots or two angled saves the, at the, uh, post, um, a, early in the second half, I want to say both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, both pretty sharp saves but nothing nothing out of Hamid's top drawer by any stretch because ultimately Charlotte didn't really create very much in this game um their expected goals got up to 1.1 1. 1 in the end which is a uh, maybe higher than I would like um which is maybe getting into what Adam already intimated um but um yeah you know Hamid did the job uh he was solid enough and and you know There weren't that many – there were a lot of goalkeeping performances around the league this week that were like, yeah, that's about right. Um, And the fact that he kept a shutout in a game that was less of uh, obliteration of one team uh, probably helped. Um, So, yeah, you know, good on him. Uh, Good for him to get that recognition early that we've often found that DC players that have a, a pretty solid game in a position where no one else really does anything, they often get forgotten. So that's nice. Well,
0: That's a positive, right? Yeah, for sure. I thought Hamid was good with his feet in this game too. He had a, he was spraying some long passes to people's feet that uh, in years past, he doesn't always connect on. So that that was nice. I'd like to see him uh, keep keep doing
2: that. uh, Passing percentage, uh, passing accuracy percentage was uh, a 90.9%. So the short passes were accurate. The long passes were accurate. That's pretty good. If you're trying to keep control of a game and not necessarily have it turn into 50 50s at midfield then this is one one thing you can do and he did that job pretty well
0: yeah considering the narrative on on his skill set
2: yeah definitely
0: um, I, you like to see that and in a game where the uh foreign import goalkeeper kicked a free kick out uh, kicked a goal kick out of bounds on at least one occasion mm-hmm. uh it's, again nice to see bill showing out a little bit yeah. um so one to start with that Uh, The actual game started a bit slow by DC, certainly not up to the standard I think they set last year for the way they started games, the level of pressure that we've become accustomed to seeing and the types of chances that we're used to seeing early in games certainly didn't come about. Uh, Thankfully, the team wasn't forced to pay for it, thanks in part to uh, a narrow but correct offside call on VAR that, you know, kind of turned the joy to ash in charlotte's mouth after what they thought was their first ever goal hmm. um
2: which would have been a really bad goal to give up by the way yes oh yeah yes yeah uh because and this is of, a
0: lots of defenders ball watching for no reason right
2: no pressure on the ball when tt ortiz serves it in um and a lot of guys just sort of like kind of standing around like so who's gonna deal with this um no and, one that's not great when, especially, I mean, we're talking about Charlotte putting a cross in against guys like Steven Birnbaum and Brendan Hines. Like Charlotte's forwards are all guys that are like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, um, should not be winning any headers in that area of the field. Certainly not uh, that easily. I mean, yes, um, was it McKenzie Gaines gets kind of cleaned out. So it, I maybe shouldn't say it was an easy win because I'm sure he probably does not feel like it was very easy to get. Uh, decked in the aftermath of that, but he did have an easy time putting his head on the ball and scoring a goal. Um, and I don't think the offside actually is what. Um, but like, if he had been onside, I feel like he still scores the goal, um, right? Because oh, yeah. it was that narrow. So you yeah. know, got out by Yeah, his that, failure that he to took on. that one. He took that little extra step. Um, you know, correct call, like you said, Adam. Um, and and glad that VAR is in place for that kind of thing because that one that's not one where it's like how does the referee not get that right why do we need var to bail them out this is a basic error this was real slim um and this is the kind of thing that you know back in the day there's no way it's getting there's no talking to there's this goal would have stood before var um despite it and then we would spend the whole week being like well he was offside though Um, Mm -hmm. and, and probably no one would care because it'd be like Charlotte scored their first goal. Hooray. (laughs) Um, and you know, after the game, Losada was quick to point out that, uh, this was something that he needs, like, we do need to recognize that, uh, there was a moment there, there were moments early in the game, especially that goal that really could have turned it a different direction. Um, and you know, give some credit to DC for stabilizing somewhat. After that, <laughs> um, I, w- I wouldn't go so far as to say waking up. Um, I think they didn't really wake up until they got the penalty. Yeah. Um, but they sort of got going a little bit. There was not really anything that happened between. Uh, very little was going on from after their goal getting called back to the penalty. It was kind of a lot of the game being stuck in midfield.
0: Yeah, which is not really what you expect from DC United, the way they like to press and only playing two in central midfield. Although in this one, it was kind of it was kind of weird. We saw Brad Smith and Julian Gressel both flaring inside mm-hmm. into kind of the attacking midfield space, which was in the in the build up, which I didn't expect, and I, I wonder if we're yeah, going to see well, more of that.
1: Well, and I think part of it was um, I think the central midfield of DC United had some issues. I think they like. Russ Knauss was obviously out for this game um, and they didn't re-sign Junior Moreno or Felipe for reasons that make sense, but also they didn't sign really that many replacements until, uh, they didn't sign any like proven replacements and so they're trying to figure out based on the people they have, the people they drafted, uh, how that central midfield is going to work and so it's it's the first game of the season. Things are still working out, but I, I at least in the first half, I thought that that their central midfield was very passive and very reactionary. And I so th- I so I think that's uh, part of the reason why Gressel and Brad Smith had to do things to uh, connect the ball through is that the central midfield wasn't doing it, so they had to try and make things happen.
0: I agree with you that central midfield was not what we wanted but it this looked orchestrated this looked like something that had been practiced not just something that they were doing in the moment they were it, was, it looked like almost like nfl routes they were running to get into that central zone so just something i'm going to keep an eye on I, i'm not reading anything into it right now but as jason indicated um the the game turned i think it's fair to say when griffin Yao won a penalty in the 34th minute
2: can i interrupt with just just something that i've just noticed from our the, the data that's available um just to sort of underline the central midfield situation that is something that we're gonna have to keep an eye on um Moses Nyaman finished the game or finished his portion of the game anyway with three defensive uh, actions recorded um that's not very many entire, <laughs> no. while Drew Skundrich was on uh 16 Oh um, wow so Drew Skundrich was extremely busy uh, in terms of defensive actions, and not not that deep either, which is good. It's a lot of them was in DC's half, but I think five of them are well into Charlotte's half, so that's that's a plus. But it can't be that unbalanced; it has to be right. a more equal distribution there. Especially the reporting from Steve Goff was that Canales' injury is a groin injury. Groin injuries do not usually it's not usually a one week
1: thing. Um, yeah, no, that, like. I, I would I would assume that like April would be the earliest we see Kanaus back. Hopefully early. I don't know April, about that. That
2: that might be. That's on the longer end. Um, but I would say at least these next two games. Um, yeah, I, I would not count on seeing him against Cincinnati and um, Chicago. Uh, we'll get into Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, hopefully yes. we don't need Canouse for Cincinnati. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um well since we're talking about central midfield, I do want to shout out a debutante in this game. Uh super draft pick rookie Sophie and Jafal got in for Nyman in the, the second half. Mm-hmm. Came in and uh looked pretty good, I thought. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought, um, I thought he was really solid. I thought like if 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 he and Nyman are uh battling for the same spot on the lineup, I think it's it, like at least what we see in the game. Obviously, we don't see training, but it like it could be a toss up. It could be closer than uh, what folks thought before this season started. Um, Nyman's going to have to step up and claim that spot and 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 battle to fall away uh, if he wants to keep that spot.
0: Yeah, to go even further, Steve Goff tweeted when he he broke the news that Jafal had gotten his visa and would be. In the lineup, he said that Jafal probably would have started this game had they had the team been certain about his visa coming through. Mm -hmm. Um, But because they weren't, he trained with the second unit and and wasn't ready to start. So he, I think he's definitely a candidate to start against Cincinnati. I would assume that he and Nyman are in competition for the same spot in midfield or the same role in midfield. But seeing Jafal mix it up a little bit and range a little bit, I'm curious whether he could step in for Skundrich. Well,
2: and whether we I want mean, that, if we're, well, the the thing I would say is if we're basing it only on this game, then the answer would be no. You, if you're basing it purely on one game only, you right. would have to say that the move would be Nyman, uh giving way. Um, I don't Just think because of those defensive bad. actions, right? Like, I, I don't think Naaman had a bad game by any stretch, but he wasn't involved sure. enough. Um, and Jafal ended up with more defensive actions in his uh what half hour, um, give or take um 25 minutes um yeah so yeah he he was more active on that side of the ball he also he only misplaced one pass while he was in um and i know that lucy Russian mentioned that he could play the 6 it wasn't just that he's an 8 um so yeah um i mean i think the club is definitely ready to trust nayman and they're not going to just pull the trigger off of one game yeah yeah, yeah. um but it is it is worth watching that Jafal was able to perform the way he did, that Skundrich was able to be as active as he as he was. Cause now with canals out injured, um, Skundrich kind of is kind of a lock to start this next game because of the fact that they don't have anyone else that's gonna be producing sixteen defensive actions. Um, right. that was well, like my point like,
0: about that was my point about Jafal. Yeah, yeah. Is
2: yeah. if
0: he can be as rangy and get into yes. tackles and win those tackles at the level of Skundrich, he brings I think probably a lot more going forward and to have that level of skill alongside Nyman is, I mean, the nerd in me is kind of excited about that. I don't know that it'll work and I don't know that I would necessarily want to see it this week, but the idea is there now.
1: Hmm. Sure. But you like, you gotta, you gotta prove out what's on the field and and for sure. Nyman has like, I want him to prove it out, but uh, like, when you're maybe Cincinnati is a good way to like, uh, uh uh mix things up you don't have to uh I, i'm i'm talking real crap about cincinnati right now you don't i was about to say you don't necessarily have to have your best look at the start against cincinnati um well i mean that is it's possible that but DC you need but you need but you do need to like smash and grab those three points against cincinnati immediately
2: but, but you know that means that dc might take a different approach against cincinnati who play a very different style of soccer yeah. from uh you know as losada said after the game ramirez is committed to the the positional style um and that matchup was actually kind of interesting to watch dc try and press a team that is trying to manipulate is is being this is kind of the the modern version of like who what kind of team is using the ball to manipulate the other team and using um their movements and in concert you know this is something that austin just did to cincinnati this is josh wolf's style of play as well Um, If you watch the Premier League, you've seen Man City. This is what everyone's trying to be Man City. This is what they're trying to do. Um, So that aspect of it, um, you know, maybe D.C. goes on the road and says, let's let's play with two up front and three in central midfield. And then then Jafal is probably starting. Um, And then it becomes, you know, is it is it is is, uh, Flores moving up front with Estrada we're about to talk about Estrada. I would say that maybe Estrada is not exactly starting next week, despite the two goals, which is uh, an interesting situation to be in.
0: Before we get to Estrada, I, I want to talk about the penalty that yes. Griffin Yao won, which pro- I, I think it's fair to say turned the, the tide of the game, like at least put it squarely into DC United's control and not just uh, on the scoreboard, but they played better as well. And, Uh, I've seen a lot of people say that this call was wrong, that VAR should have overturned it. And I can't say how much I disagree with that because it, 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 I think the reason people think that is because the replays that were shown were bad. They were the wrong angles to show on this. And, and my seat was basically opposite from the camera staring right at where it happened. And it wasn't his, it wasn't few. Was it Fuchs? It wasn't Fuchs. It was another defender, um, who committed the handball?
2: No, no. He, handball. Uh, actually, no. I thought it was Fuchs in real time, but I think it was uh, Brent Bronico. Yeah, it was Bronico. Yeah, um, it was Bronico. His,
0: yeah. His left arm was tucked in, and he turns it, and but his right arm is, you know, his elbow is tucked in, but his forearm is sticking out, and the right. ball bounces off his forearm. It basically hits his wrist, uh, and I like I could see it clear as day from my seat, and the replay, his forearm is hidden, so it looks like it bounces off his left upper arm or his chest. But if you if you run it frame by frame, you see the ball kind of disappear for one frame behind his shoulder. And it's clear that it's hitting something on the other side. So I think the handball call was correct. And the reason it wasn't VAR is because it was obviously correct when you replay it from the correct angle, which the broadcast apparently did not. So if you have Charlotte friends saying that it was a, a nonsense call, just tell them they're wrong, you know, politely and be friendly about it. But but tell them firmly that they're wrong. Um, Michael Estrada stepped up in a very Ola Kamara esque fashion, buried the penalty, um, had a second goal later, thanks to a deflection. This time it was off of Fuchs, yeah. not Bronico. Um, but Jason, I know you have some other aspects of his game that you want to get into.
2: Yeah. Cause it, it's a mixed bag. Um, it's great that he scored. Um, you know, if you're DC United creates a ton of penalty kicks. So if you're going to be the chief penalty kick taker on the field at any given time, DC needs you to be good. And so far, you know, Estrada, his penalty take uh penalty kick uh, routine looks like something that's not, he's not making it up on the spot. He's pretty, it looked pretty rehearsed to me. It looks like he's, he knows what he's doing in that, which is good. Um, set the goalkeeper the wrong way and put the ball in the opposite corner. It's about as good as it gets. Um that part is is uh a, a big plus the fact that he had that um you hit know, the confidence on his second goal uh, to shoot it with enough power that that deflection doesn't take it away from goal, but it just it can carries on and stays on frame uh that stuff's really good, and you wanna see him if he's gonna get a chance converting it. it's just that that's about all he did in the game um there really isn't a lot. he had twenty touches uh which from DC starters is by far the lowest uh, according to this is all from who uh, com's game data. Um, he only completed 42, 43% of his passes. And that's because he only took, he only attempted seven. So it's three out of seven, um, which is not great. Uh, you need no. to get on the ball more. Uh, he had zero recorded defensive actions, um, which for a team that high presses like this, you got to have some. Yeah. DC's forwards in the last year were not piling these up by any means, but zero is not enough. Um, and then on the ball, he had more uh, giveaways, not not being dispossessed, but giveaways in terms of a, you know, a rough first touch or what have you. Uh, more of those, he had six, which is more than anyone on either team had in the game. Uh, so kind of across the board, he was a little absent outside of the goals, which is a classic goal poster thing to do, which is fine if you're scoring but if you're not scoring it's a big problem uh Ola Kamara comes off the bench and actually attempted more passes his passing accuracy was up around 83 percent he had a defensive uh, action recorded uh unlike um Estrada in a game where he came in and it immediately became three nothing and he still ends up with more defensive rec- recorded defensive actions than Estrada did um, and there's also a clip that I I tweeted out. To, we're recording on Monday, so if you see this later, you have to go find my tweets from Monday. Um, but it's a clip from uh, someone that works for Charlotte. They put a clip out breaking down a good moment for Charlotte, where they played through DC's pressure, um, and, and then the it ended up
0: I, with it ended up with Ro- with Jordy Reyna's header that ended yes, up going straight they, to Bill Hameed. But on, it, it yeah. ended up with a shot on goal. It was,
2: a, it was a it was a pretty decent look on goal for Charlotte. And the the kicker for DC is that. They have a really well-structured press in this. Charlotte is in trouble. Um, I, I kind of disagree with the guy pulling this as a clip as a great example, because Charlotte's in deep trouble until one thing goes wrong for DC, and it's Michael Estrada stays behind Christian Makun and lets him go, and Makun moves into the win- the only window that Jalen Lindsay has. DC has him trapped 2v1 on the, on the touchline. He has nowhere to go. His options are... To use his weak foot to just sort of scoop the ball up the touchline blindly and hope that it works, um, or get out of a one v two on the touchline, which he's probably not going to do. Most players cannot do that reliably, um, especially in defense. Right. The only way that the only thing that can save him is is Makun moving into a gap where there's a window to pass between Flores and Smith, and not only does he make that pass to Makun, who has like two yards on Estrada he's not just open he's like escaped him entirely he then has like 30 yards to advance the ball without having to make a pass and all of a sudden DC is scrambling because they've committed numbers to the press this is what happens this is something that happened last year in the season opener Um, if we think about when NYCFC scored their goal in that game DC overcommits to the press but leaves a window for the other team to escape because someone doesn't do their job and all of a sudden they come out the other side and it's acres of space and this is how charlotte generates this chance is acres of space dc scrambling it all kind of falls apart because one person doesn't track if Estrada is awake to this th- and he cuts he gets subbed out a few minutes later by the way mm-hmm. um and i yeah. can't imagine that these things are not completely. these are probably slightly connected things um so yeah, yeah. i mean t-
0: just to just to drive the point home for people like i watched the clip after you tweeted it out and mm. it's it's jarring watching Estrada because he there's a pass back to the keeper and he, he leaves McCoon to close down the keeper, which is correct. Right. And then when the keeper passes it out wide, he switches off. He's just like, All yes. right, I made the defensive sprint. I'm good. I'm done. And the ball goes to McCoon. He he snaps back into it for a minute and runs up. And then McCoon passes the ball wide again and he switches off again. Yes. And that's when McCoon moves into the space and has the 30 yards to move up. And he had two opportunities to get back yeah. into position and just didn't I don't know if he was fatigued because he wasn't there for the whole it might be. preseason he didn't have the off season workout regime that that everyone else did um
2: Lozada did mention and, along those lines after the game that that they do they do view him as needing a little more fitness work to catch up because at Toluca he wasn't playing and you yeah. play one at, you know you play for Ecuador for a couple of games and then you go back to Toluca and you're not doing anything that's not really going to get you to a uh, maximum overdrive fitness level yeah, right. I think
0: that's fair. Um I I I don't want to, you know, condemn a or anything, but it was a, it was a jarring moment to watch yeah. the the tape on that play and I think I think and hope he will get better uh on on that level of um both fitness and commitment in those moments. But there there were other players who are returning this year who were completely gassed at the end of the game and trying to make recovery runs. And it just, their legs just weren't there in the final minutes of the game. So later in the game than this was, but you know, it's the first game of the year. You can't make, don't make any sweeping judgments based on this game.
2: Well, one thing I will throw in since you, you mentioned that Adam is that both Losana and Julian Gressel brought up the point that they felt like one of the keys to them seeing the second half out the way they did was that they were the fitter team, that they were able to have more energy in the tank than Charlotte did, and they were able to lean on that fact. Um, Now, I don't know how much of that, because I I do agree that they looked like they had more in their legs than Charlotte. Um, I also don't know how much of that is, when you're trying to convince yourself to be a pressing team, it's not just you have to have the fitness, you have to have the belief as well. Um, So how much of that is we we're saying this because we need to believe it uh we need to be, like we if i'm if i'm a coach and i'm asking all of these guys to give so much of of themselves to this style of play including dietary choices including sleep habits including all this extra stuff that's not at the training ground I, they all have to believe it um and i need them to believe it or else it's not going to work um so i am kind of curious as to whether it was or how much of this cuz i think it's both i don't think it's it's we're not being fed a line here but I do think there's an element of – because, Adam, you're right. I think they did look fatigued at the end of the game. Um, so I think there is an element of, like, we, we're we saying it and we're making it a point of emphasis because it's such a big thing for the, the, the culture of how this is going to work that it has to be true. We need it to be true. Um, so we're going to want it to be true. Um, well, one and, of the
0: reasons they were so fatigued at the end of the game, too, is because DC United really did press – Yes. all the way through the game into second half stock- stoppage time. They were still pressing Charlotte deep into their own half. Mm-hmm. And th- that's more than we saw most of in most games last year, especially down the stretch. United right. well, yeah, in, they in, were, early, they, they didn't have the legs to do that.
1: They were gassed. Yeah, exactly.
0: And so I think, I think there were a few, few different reasons for that. One of them is showing the, is Losada showing the team? Yes, you can press for the whole damn game. You mm-hmm. have that ability, especially when we're not on short rest, and we're not going to be for most games this year. So we can do that. We can press all the way to the end. And so if we need a goal at the end, we can keep doing it. And right. also, this is a way to build fitness, because you are working at a more intense level in games than you mm-hmm. are in training most of the time. So these players now, not only do they know they can do it, it'll be easier next time, physically and mentally, to, well, to keep pressing.
2: Yeah, so, a little in- An interesting note after the game on this sort of the fitness note, Um, you know, last year you would see a few players that had subbed in, um, and the guys that didn't play would be doing some running and whatnot. There's a load management aspect to it. The program has changed this year. It's different people, um, doing things a little differently. And it looked to me more intense, uh, post game for the guys that didn't sub in, uh, especially like Gausu Samake was having to, um, at one point before the press conference, he was doing like a complicated, um, back and forth kind of like jog 3 yards and then you have to cut around something and come back the other way. Um so it looked like if anything that the fitness side of this the the demands might be even slightly higher this year. Um or maybe they're at a stage where they're like we still have building to do. Um and these guys that didn't get to build through playing tonight's game, we're going to build them through the post game where they're out there in their you know their warm up gear and everyone else is actually at one point, um, one of DC's players had to stop doing this because uh Miguel Angel Ramirez had finished his press conference, um, and had reemerged and was actually trying to make his way to where the bus is for the team and there were still Charlotte fans lingering and so he was like shaking hands and waving to people and whatnot and it was kind of like right up against where D C was trying to do their work. So they had to sort of wait for him to finish his walk <laughs> by. But uh yeah, it's it's an interesting thing to have seen, because this is the first real exposure we get to the team. We haven't been around them uh, because of they've been away from the area for most of preseason. And then we're still in a pandemic, so we still have situations where you can't really go. There's been one open, pra- well, open training. Fortunately, uh, I don't know how that's going to work for any of us, because uh, it is far. Uh, it is to- far.
0: <laughs> and day jobs are a thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anything else you guys want to talk about for this game or shall we uh, call it an episode?
2: Uh, I want to throw a little shout out to for Griffin Yow's um, second half. His first yes. half, I feel like yes. pretty uninvolved. Um, Other than winning effort. the penalty. Yeah, yeah. He wins the penalty and and the effort was there. It just, he wasn't wasn't able to translate it into much. He wasn't able to get on the ball very much. He wasn't able to win the ball very much. But in the second half, the effort was even higher. Uh, from from him and this was a big this is a big start for him because I don't think they entered the season planning on him being a starter um, I, I don't think with everyone fit that he necessarily is going to continue being a starter um, but he's got competition from an MLS experienced player like Adrian Perez who played well last year um, and the fact that they were willing to give him the nod even with Perez getting a full week to recover from whatever it was that kept him out of the preseason finale um, and, and make an impact on the game. This is the classic, in a way, it's like the classic Griffin Yao thing that this goes back to something Ben Olsen said, which is that Yao gets involved in a lot of these like scrappy sort of situations that come out well. He scores a lot of deflected goals. He scores a lot of um, goals on rebounds, things like that. And this is um, a deflection. It's not a deflected goal, but it leads to a goal. Um, And it's it's just something that he hasn't. And he, I I think his, most of his, second half involved him pouncing on things and just being quicker to a loose ball basically. Um, but yeah, being that um, high energy option, I think Matt Doyle said that he saw some Paul Ariola 2.0 in Yao, mm-hmm. which might be, might be taking a little too far uh, at, at this juncture at least. But um, the fact that he was out there and it wasn't just that, that first half wasn't representative of the whole game for him. I think it's mm-hmm. a big deal because he's going to need to be an option, especially right now when the roster has only 25 players. They don't really have the option of pushing Drew Scundrich up as a pressing uh, member of that front three (laughs) right now, because he has to be back in the midfield. Especially when we're
0: getting no creativity elsewhere. We need creativity where we can get it.
2: Yeah. And and, and he's a different kind of creativity too. Um, Yeah. Because it's not that like, you know, sizzle reel stuff. It's just that like, it's sort of a Instead of picking the lock, it just sort of like Yao's more like it's closer it to the areola
0: bit. kind of creativity.
2: Yeah, uh, we're just and, that constant insistence that something is going to happen, and, and eventually it does.
0: Yeah, uh, going back to the last preseason game too, Griffin Yao has come on strong as the game went on. He's grown into the games. Hopefully, mm-hmm. he can start figuring it out earlier in games and keep getting minutes to do that. Um, until Taxi Fontas arrives and even after. Yeah. But uh, it's good to see that he's not fading in games, at least. He's growing into them. Uh, he's just got to step it up earlier a little bit and figure it out a little quicker. Um, speaking of Paul Ariola, though, shout out to him. Uh, led the league in expected goals plus assists this week with like one and a half, which don't for care. a single game is, <laughs> is something. That's fair, Ben. I don't care. That's fair. I still like him. I wanted to shout
2: him out.
1: I like that, him. I don't give a crap about what he does in MLS right. now. Uh, see see ben i I
2: was going to ask is this about he's just not on your team or is that he is going to the western conference and you're questioning whether the western conference exists or not
1: yes both (laughs) (laughs) okay
2: that's fair
0: that'll do it for this episode of filibuster be sure to check back later in the week when we talk to laurel Faylor from queen city press if you are a patreon patron you can uh Listen to that now. Actually, now that you've listened to this episode, it'll be available uh, at Patreon.com/slash filibuster. If you want to access to that, you can go to that website and pay us money, and you will get early access too. Um, for all our other coverage of DC United and the Washington Spirit and other soccer interests, go to BlackAndRedUnited.com. You can find us on Twitter at BlackAndRedU at filibusterDCU for the podcast find me on Twitter at two Oh two AMT find Jason at Jason DC soccer, find Ben at Bromley soccer, uh, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com, uh, questions, concerns, uh, hate mail, love letters, advertising inquiries. We we're happy to receive anything. Honestly, we are, we read it all. We don't always answer, but we read it. Uh, it all.
1: Anything. No,
2: not uh, anything. With anything within,
0: within reason, within reason. Uh, Download, subscribe. Ratings and reviews are very helpful wherever you get your podcast. Please tell a friend about the show. Word of mouth has always been and always will be the best form of advertisement. Uh, we'll, that That's it. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason.
2: Uh, King Kazu turned 55 last week and is still playing professional soccer, which makes him still the best player in the world. Happy birthday, King Kazu.